Hi, everybody. This is Mark Graben. I'm a senior advisor with Kinexus, and I want to welcome you to today's webinar, which is titled TWI and Kata, Skill Patterns to Develop a Culture of Coaching. We are joined today by Oscar Roach. I'll introduce Oscar in a minute. He'll be our presenter. Unfortunately, uh, my friend Jim Hunsinger from Lean Frontiers uh, was unable to join us today. Um, but we'll hopefully maybe we'll have Jim as a presenter in a future webinar and uh, we'll carry on and, and have a great session um, here with Oscar today. Uh, we're really happy that Oscar Roach is joining us today. He is the director of the Training Within Industry Institute and Vir Visual Workplace Australasia. He is coming to us live uh, from Australia. It is the middle of the night there. Um, on behalf of the entire Connexus team and everybody attending today, we want to thank Oscar for, uh, for being up to do this session with us. Oscar has a bachelor's degree of applied science in dairy science from Hawkesbury Agricultural College, which led to a career working in multiple chemical companies and food production firms. Oscar has worked as a manufacturing manager in many settings and since 2010 has focused on work related to lean in particular training within industry and visual management methods. So I'd like uh, to welcome Oscar as we turn things over to him. And, you know, I think one of the first things we should discuss today uh, is culture, right, Oscar? Yeah, yeah, that's, thanks, Mark. And, and um, Mark, thank you for the opportunity. It is the middle of the night, but one of the things I often say in um, to the Lean Frontiers team that I enjoy doing things like this because it helps me it just challenges your thinking a little bit, and I've got a little um, uh, a sign on just to the left of my computer screen here, and it says, if, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. <laughs> and I always find that this challenge, doing something like this challenges that, challenges me to do that, and therefore uh, often improves uh, what I believe to be my understanding. So thanks for the chance to do it. Sure thing. So, yeah, let's, <clears throat> given the title, Culture of Coaching, Let's um, start with a definition of culture there uh, pertinent to the workplace. And the one we use um, within our work is that culture is the sum of people's habits as they go about their daily work. And look, there's many other answers. That, um, there's many other definitions potentially, but that's one answer. And it's one that sort of relates well to the workplace and works for us and for what we do and ties in with the end game in a lot of ways. So given that's one answer, if we want a culture of uh, improvement, then I guess that leads, to th leads into the thought that we should start with some um, developing some coaching habits. Because if you're going to modify culture or if you're going to uh, change culture and bring it in a different direction, then that definition implies that we need to modify habits. And uh, the easiest habits to modify uh, is our own. So we need to st uh, start developing some coaching habits if we're going to develop this culture of coaching. So the, then the second aspect we probably should be very conscious of in this particular discussion is when will a culture of coaching really add value in a lean environment? And I guess it's I find this transition very interesting, and Mark, uh, Mike Rother speaks a lot about this, is is for a long time, and certainly in my, I guess my first exposure to lean was in the early 90s, mid 90s, when I was working for Ecolab, chemical company, <clears throat> that's just um, uh, parented in the States actually, and then in my time at Mildura Fruit Juices, and what I was, what I understood to be uh, the definition of lean was the elimination of waste, and I'm sure everyone's uh, familiar. Uh, who's been down the lean path or has attempted to go down the lean path recognises that diagram on the left. Um, and it sort of made sense to me, that diagram, and I guess in the work I did, we had made some improvements, <clears throat> but it was pretty clear because in most of the work I did myself, it didn't stick. And in the work that I was involved with and others, it rarely stuck in the way that you you would have anticipated given the investment. So I always had in my mind, I guess, that something was missing and struggled with that definition of lean but didn't know much of an alternative or where to head. 
And then about four years ago, I saw the definition of lean that we can see at the bottom there. Lean is developing people who can and will solve problems and make improvements daily. And it was really when I saw that definition that um, I could, it started to make sense to me uh, that it's really not, the focus shouldn't be on the elimination of waste. If we focus on people development and we use that um, statement in blue in the bottom right, Lean is developing people who can and will solve problems and make improvements daily. If we use that, then I think we were going to go a hell of a lot further in our um, lean endeavours and our continuous improvement endeavours than we'd ever gone before. So in other words, put the focus on the people and the waste will take care of itself. Was was, was made far more sense to me. And, uh, and it's since then, and I guess that the timing of that came with the timing of becoming or practicing the Toyota Carter habits. So, and that, the two together, it was a really a bit of a synergy there and one and one started to make a little bit more than two. So fundamentally, if an organization has that definition of uh, lean on the left, being waste removal, then um, they may get some value out of this, to be honest, but I'm not sure. But if, if the focus is more on people development, that definition on the right, then I think uh, what we're about, what's about to follow will make make much more sense, Mark. So yeah, that's a bit of an introduction. Thank you. Yeah, and you know, you, you focus, you know, you, you talk about developing people. I've heard Toyota say, you know, when they're working on improvement, that the first priority is developing people, and the the second priority is the benefit of the improvement. And I, I think that's a striking contrast to a lot of organizations. You know, traditional organizations, <clears throat> excuse me, get exposed to lean and, you know, executives are demanding ROI. They're demanding results. They might be losing sight of this focus on developing people. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that or if you can elaborate on, you know, who do you think, you know, in, in, in this kind of culture of coaching, a culture of improvement, who should be solving problems and making improvements? I mean, I think it occurs at all levels of the organisation. Um, uh, certainly, the the speed of the experimenting cycles, or the 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 speed, the, the the rapidness, if you like, of the improvement cycle, certainly increases the closer you go to the front line, whether it be service or manufacturing. Uh, when you as you go higher up the tree, the improvement cycles will probably be longer. Um, you know, to the extent where you might be a month, a many month cycle once you're at the very top of the organisation. But, but it's occurring, the pattern of thinking and the patterns of coaching would be or should be uh, in, the, in the most effective organisations occurring at all levels. But certainly the speed of the cycle should be uh, the highest, the rapidness of the cycle should be highest at the lowest level. Uh, the frontline level, not the lowest level. I don't mean that in that way. I mean the frontline level. So, so, and this ties in with uh, who we're discussing here in this, in this, um, in, in in our thoughts that follow. And we've really got two level or two two people, if you like. One is the coach. One is the doer. And and the doer practices the skill or habit. Um, that delivers the result. So the doer practices the skill or habit that delivers the result, um, and, and in, in the, relating back to that earlier slide, may result if it's successful, and if it's not, that's not necessarily failure. May or will result in the elimination of waste. And then you've got a coach that helps the doer grow their capability as they learn through practice. So this can this relationship should can and should occur at any level in an organisation. It's probably seen and most recognised, again, at the, as you move closer to the front line, but at all levels of the organisation, we, it, um, in, in, in truly, the truly excellent ones that I've seen, you can see this occurring at all levels. And, and one of the ironies that I often find is, is ideally the coach should be the manager of the subordinate. Um, so the subordinate's the doer, if you like, and the coach uh, is the person's manager. One of the things that I find a bit ironic in the work we do is that quite often we end up, uh, we are asked to be in a coach's role, and I'm 
quite often working with people and working with a doer and think I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm, I'm happy to do this, but I'm not the right person to do this. The person doing this should be the, the manager of the, um, of, the, uh, of, the, of the person practicing the skill or habit. So, Oscar, I mean, you know, can can you elaborate on some of the skills, you know, you know, particular skills, um, more specific skills that are helpful for coaches? Yep, certainly. And 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 we've got um, three base TWI skills and one extra that we're going to discuss. So, in terms of uh, the, we always. Um, consider sim- really the, the, a skill, if you like, or a continuous improvement skill in the workplace is a countermeasure to something that's lacking. I guess that's the first point to consider. And the first symptom that we're going to discuss is the symptom of the, the person at any level. Uh, the symptom, but this particularly relates to the front line, of the symptom of don't know how and can't do. So from a TWI perspective, the skill that addresses the symptom of don't know how, can't do, is the skill of instructing or job instruction. So if the person doesn't know how, can't do, then it's a training issue and the skill of instructing or job instruction, one of the three TWI skills, main TWI skills, is the countermeasure or the, the, how we, what we use to address that symptom. The second symptom is don't, uh, don't care, won't do. In other words, the person has been trained, and I think we often fall into this trap, is that um, things aren't happening as, the, as they're supposed to, and we go, oh, it's a training issue. The solution is we need to train. We need to train. Well, if the, if the person has demonstrated they do know how and they, and they can do, but they're not doing it, then it's not a training issue because they, they know how to do the job and they can do it. So all the training in the world is probably not going to resolve the issue. So the second symptom we look for is don't care, won't do. And the skill, uh, the TWI skill that addresses that is the skill of leading, uh, and we call that in our TWI world, uh, the uh, job relations. So if you can get on top of both those two skills, uh, both those two symptoms, and you have people who do know how they can do, and they do care and they will do through those skills of job instruction and job relations, then you're going to have reasonable stability probably in your processes and outcomes and outputs. So at that point, we've then got a symptom of it's physical or it's hard to do. And when we have that symptom, we use the skill of improving uh, methods, which is in our TWI world is called job methods. And that uh, is, is where the supervisor or the frontline person is able to make best use of available resources, their materials, manpower and machines. So it's that, that physical hard to do is not about redesign, a total re, it's not about your big Kaizen events and about redesign of the workplace. Mark, it's much more about um, what can the supervisor do uh, today and in the next week to best organise the resources available to them to make the job as easy as possible uh, and, and, and physically streamlined and things flow and all that sort of stuff. So they're the, they're the three TWI symptoms, if you like, and the matching TWI skills that address each of those. And at the frontline level, if those symptoms are being addressed through those skills, then you're going to have a stable workforce, uh, stable outputs with uh, performing at their um, um, most cost-effective, safest, most likely to deliver quality um, level of performance. So the fourth one that I've got covered here is is the symptom of random or recreational stop-start improvement and not reaching goals. So we see this a lot in organisations that they they endeavour to continuously improve, but it is random. In other words, it's not in a particular direction. And we, we use the term, and I uh, picked this term up from Richard Abercrombie, who's one of the institute master trainers, that we, we call it recreational because it's, it's because it has no goal. It's almost done, 
it's done it's the two words tie in i guess it's done randomly with no specific direction it's stop start it's done uh from time to time it's certainly not continuous iterative cycles and generally there's no it's people find it difficult to reach goals so the skill there um is is the is this one extra and that's the skill of scientific thinking and the skill of scientific thinking is very evident in the uh, in the improvement carter yeah and so i think it's, it's we, really i was just going to comment real, real quick oscar i mean i think it's really yeah. in, important and insightful to um, you know look at these skills as countermeasures um, rather than going into an organization and saying well you know you should implement these methods because they're good um, it, yeah. it, I think it really helps to identify a problem or an opportunity, you know, something that helps touch on motivation for building new habits like this, right? Yeah, exactly. And we often get inquiries, um, you know, typical inquiry, I had one yesterday, that we want to start doing, uh, start practicing the uh, Toyota Carter habits, and we want to tie them in with risk assessment. So, look, there might be very good reason, but my first question for all that is why. So we t we always I always people well we need to do job relations why, or well, we need to do the skill of job instructing why. So we get before we even talk about those skills, let's get back to the why and understand the why. And the interesting thing I find it's a very valuable question because uh, probably in 50 to 75 percent of the cases. People look at me with a blank face, mm -hmm. or I get a. Uh, if I'm in a group, oh, hang on, we're not. And, and it's really, it's yeah, the discussion that follows that question is a terrific one, and it's and it's from that discussion where you really know whether you're going to have long term, whether what your chances are of longer term success. Because if it doesn't come back to some basic symptoms like I've list, like we've listed here, Mark, then it. Um, we're sort of doing it for the sake of doing it. If we don't understand why, yep, it's going to be a hard sell within the organisation probably. It's, people aren't going to connect the dots. Um, yeah, chances of yeah. success, min probably minimal to be blunt. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I really love about these, the TWI skills and the, Carter, the, the Toyota Carter skills coming together is that they have a very solid base. And that very solid base is plan, do, check and act or the PDCA cycle that you see there over there on the left. And, and the interesting thing I'm finding and, and this is, <clears throat> and I was thinking about this yesterday based on the inquiry of, uh, to do with risk assessment and combining that with um, the improvement with the Toyota Carter habits, is that I start to think now, let's go back to the foundations of whatever skill it is or whatever practice we're heading down. And what I find is that if, or I'm starting to find, is that if it's related to something very, a base principle, then it's got a chance of being of value. If it doesn't relate to a base principle, then I'm finding that the, I often find that the value is questionable. So the base principle um, that these four relate very clearly back to is plan, do, check, adjust. This job instruction, if you look at the four-step method, it's absolutely plan, do, check, act, plan, do, check, act, plan, do, check, adjust, whichever you prefer. Job relations, uh, there's a four-step pattern for handling a people problem, and I always, at some point in the delivery of that training, I always say it's PDCA for human beings. The skill of improving methods uh, is a four-step pattern um, and absolutely PDCA-based. And the skill of scientific thinking is a four-step pattern, and all four steps are absolutely PDCA-based. So all four have a very solid principle, so it should be no surprise that they're synergistic um, and they don't quite work as per this diagram on the right because it's not a cut-off line between the blue and the yellow, the yellow, the green, and the green and the dark green, darker, the, the different green. What I probably should have done was overlap those and somehow got them to fade one into the other because that's a much truer reflection of how it actually functions. So let's move on and just discuss the skill of uh, so those four skills in a little bit more detail. Um, Mark, so the don't know how can't do ties in with the skill of instructing or job instruction. 
So there's four get ready steps for job instruction. The first is we have a timetable or a plan uh, for training. The second is, and probably the most pivotal, is we break down the job or we create a recipe for our training. Uh, in other words, the script or the recipe that the trainer will follow in training uh, this task, whatever that may be. We get everything ready and we arrange the work site and that's because the leader, the trainer in this case, always sets a primary example for the how the workplace should be whenever this task is being done. Please excuse me. Then, we ha then we're ready, so we have a four-step method, PDCA-based, as I've already said, uh, a four-step pattern, and that is we prepare the worker. Um, so we, and that's ironically, and this is the grey, this is that shade of grey, because in prepare the worker, we're actually conducting a JR exercise to make the worker feel comfortable. Um, if the worker doesn't feel comfortable or the doer doesn't feel comfortable, then it's uh, an instruction's probably going to be a tough road. So then step two is we present the task. Um, and, uh, and there's a very uh, clear pattern we the instructor use or the instructor uses. And then the, the uh, learner or the worker does it back. Uh, in other words, they try out performance. And then there's a follow-up. Uh, which is where there's the um, so the tryout performance is the check and then the follow-up is the act. <clears throat> so there's a four-step method for um, instructing. Uh, one of the, just before I go on to the coaching of that, that in David Meyer's book Toyota Talent, there's a key line in that, and he says the identification and presentation of key points is the single most important aspect of the training process. So key points are identified in when we break down the job and there's a definite means of identifying the key points. And when we present the task, we present the key points and in three, the the uh, the, the learner um, applies them back. And I think that's uh, in all of Toyota Talent, which I got a lot of value from uh, in probably 2008 or so, it's the key line. The identification and presentation of key points is the single most important aspect of the whole training process and should never be that should never be lost sight of. So then, so we've got a doer, as I said in that probably third slide, and we've uh, in JI, we've got a coach. So the coach of that doer, the points they should be following and Notice, ironically, PDCA-based, uh, the, the coach is considering, is there a plan? Then they're considering, um, then there's a reflection point here. After the plan's been determined, there's a reflection point with the doer. In other words, what is, what's you, the doer, learnt or gained or learnt about the, the task, learnt about the, um, the workers up to this point? <clears throat> then there's assessment of the JIB quality or consideration of the quality of the JIB uh, because the, the coach will usually observe a delivery. And then there's a um, uh, – uh, sorry, the coach then observes a delivery and provides feedback on that. And then from that, the coach then determines with the doer what are they going to do next, uh, further training, modify the JIB, whatever it may be training of a different person as per their timetable. But the, the, the consideration there is what are you going to do next? What do you expect to learn from that? This is the coach of the doer. And how quickly can we go and see what we've learned? Now, the reason that reflection um, is highlighted, Mark, and the next and learn how quickly, because that's common in uh, all the coaching points as you're going to see. So that covers the skill of job instruction. And at the end of that, if that's done well, then we'll notice we've gone from don't know how, can't do on the left, being red, to the to the the wor our workers, our people know and know how, and they can do, or the workers know how and can do. So we'll go on to the job relations, where we have the skill, uh, uh, the symptom of don't care, won't do. We have the skill of leading, job relations, which is what the doer practices. If you like, there's four foundations to job relations, four proactive things we uh, we should be focusing our activities on, not week by week, but day by day. Let, let each worker know how he or she is doing. Give credit when due. Tell people in advance about changes that will affect them and make best use of each person's ability. And the biggest disservice I can do to those foundations is read them out in 
15 seconds and make them sound as simple as that because they're not. But let me tell you, of all the training I've done in since I, including my Bachelor of Applied Science, I would consider the week I did of train the trainer job relations to be the most valuable thing I've ever done in my life in terms of the impact it had on um, the way I function and the way I operate. So these foundations should never be undersold, but we haven't got time to go into the detail here. Um, then there's the, uh, the four-step pattern for handling a people problem, PDCA-based. We Firstly, we orient ourselves, which is not part of the four steps. Then there's a four-step PDCA for humans. We get the facts. We weigh and decide. That's the plan bit. We take action. That's the do. And then we check results, and that's the check and, adapt, check and act or check and adjust. For coach, coaching points for the doer who is practicing job relations is uh, that we use is what's the most – first – question we ask is what's your most important people objective right now? Uh, what facts do you have now? And the reflection comes in there. In other words, what have you learned up until this point? Based on that, what's your possible actions? And then uh, they're based on, on, on the first three, what's your next step? So this is, remember, the coach asking of the doer, what's your next step? What do you expect to learn from that? And how quickly can we go and see what we've learned? So you can see a very similar coaching pattern uh, that you saw in the previous uh, JI one. And again, PDCA-based. -based. And, and one of the, one of the key points to take uh, out of JR and often missed is that the, fourth, the earlier we start to handle a problem, then the more likely that when we weigh and decide our possible actions, the four foundations will uh, be, un one of the four or more will be underpinned in our possible actions. And through this, if we do this well, we'll have people who care and people who do. In other words, they're engaged. So we'll move on to the third skill of TWI, and that is the, the symptom physical hard to do. The skill of improving methods is job methods. How to improve, we break down the job, four steps, we question every detail, we develop the new method, we apply the new method. So four-step PDCA pattern. There's six questions that occur when we question every detail, and they might, and, they, and this is the, the, the biggest value point in JI, is we ask, why are we doing this? What is the purpose? And then if we still are going to do, do this particular step of the task, and often we find there that we think, well, why are we doing this? What's the purpose? There isn't any. We should eliminate the step. But if we then see they're in, derive uh, and determine that there is value in, in that particular step of the task, we then ask, where should we do it? When should it be done? Who is the best person to do it? And then lastly, how is the best way? Because what we tend to do without applying the JM skill, job method skill, is we start down the bottom. How is the best way to do this? We never consider whether there's per, whether the step in the task is really adding value and then the where, the when and the who. So the how comes last and that's a pivotal part of the JM skill uh, because without that, we tend to ask the how first and we don't, we don't uh, eliminate waste when we should. And there's a Peter Drucker saying, and I may get this slightly wrong, uh, apologies if I do, but there's grow, no greater waste than doing something really well that should not be done at all. And the JM skill, of the, particularly the six questions, addresses that mark. So the coach, again, four points. Um, what's your current plan uh, with use of JM and why? And what have you learned, the reflection, what have you learned up till now? <clears throat> the job breakdown sheet quality, in other words, for this, the one you're working on now, let's have a look at the quality of that. Um, the, uh, how well are the six questions being used and what outcomes are we looking at? Have we eliminated? Have we moved, et cetera, et cetera? Then the, the uh, quality of the proposal. And then, again, what's your next step? Key point of all coaching cycles as well as the reflection. Uh, what is your next step? From that, what do you think you'll learn and how quickly can we go and see what you have learned? And if we do that well, we've got as easy, we've got tasks or jobs that are as easy as is practical at that time. 
The Improvement Carter is the fourth school we discussed. Uh, remember we said the symptom was random, recreational uh, improvement or stop-start, not reaching goals. The skill we're going to apply here, the remedy, if you like, um, another way to think of it, is the skill of scientific thinking, the Improvement Carter. The learner does that. There's four steps of the Improvement Carter. We understand our direction. We grasp the current condition. We establish the next target condition and we experiment towards that target condition. And again, as I said earlier, one of the very early slides, you can you can probably recognize the PDCA pattern there. The coach has, uh, in this case, uh, five questions. And these are um, uh, the base questions that you'll find um, in, in any search of Mike Rother's material. Firstly, the coach asks, what's the target condition? So that's an orienting question. Basically, why are we having this discussion? Uh, what's the value? The value is we're going to achieve that target condition. And then what's the actual condition now? In other words, what? And from that, we understand the gap. But again, you can see there, just after we've determined our actual condition now, there's a reflection. In other words, what's occurred up to this point and what have we learned most recently? Then the third question is, what are our, what's our obstacles to the target condition? And then the key point, which one are we going to focus on now? And then you can see there again, the fourth question in um, the coaching pattern that, that Mike uh, has identified is, what's our next step? And the fifth, um, what would you expect to learn from that? And how quickly can we go and see what you have learned? And from the coach's point of view, when we check, we learn. And what the coach needs to be looking for, the coach of the learner, is when we check, we learn, and that the learner is actually connecting that learning to our next step. So the next step is not round. And that's what the bit that really takes out the randomness, is, the, is that we must be ensuring as coaches that the learner connects the learning they've had to their next step all the while striving for target conditions. And that keeps us going in a direction of the target condition and reduces the risk of this recreational um, random improvement. And from that, if we do this well, we get goal-directed experiments as opposed to random improvements or, or random experimentation. So Mark, that's a bit of a summary of those uh, four skills. Yeah, and you know, it seems like there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot there that makes me think of you know core lean Toyota production system principles. You know, the idea of uh, focusing on on quality and safety, the job instruction and proper training, you know, really contribute to that. Um, you know, I think the idea of respect for people and explaining why with those key points instead of just being uh, just know, a direct boss, just do it. Why? Because I said so. I loved how you asked why. Yeah. Earlier, there are, are better, uh, more legitimate answers to the question of why. And you know, I think the lean principle of customer focus, if we're viewing the person being trained as an internal customer, that we, the trainer has a responsibility to the trainee, to the learner, as opposed to the other way around or an organization, you know, saying, well, we checked the box, I trained them, as opposed to exactly. thinking of it as a PDCA cycle, you, you bring up a lot of um, a lot of really good points there. So I'm curious if, if you have thoughts on that, or you know if you can uh, maybe help yeah. help with um, you know understanding some of the parallels between the habits of uh, Toyota Kata job relations. Um, I'll give it back to you. Yeah, sure. No, I think and I think that's something I certainly lose sight of. We've got a guy, an ex Toyota guy. Um, uh, who works for us now, uh, based down in Melbourne, and he—it's certainly something he's got me to focus on a lot more strongly—is the why. Um, he often says, even just the other, uh, we're doing some work, job relations work with Boeing in Port Melbourne, and something came up there, and, and he looked at me and he said, "So did the people here understand the why?" And I looked at him and I thought, "No, I didn't explain that. I did not cover that well." So they've got every – there's no wonder they reacted the way they did. And I think we lose sight of that. I think we lose sight of the why uh, far too often. And, and that, and that challenge, challenging ourselves on the why, if there's not a suitable answer to that, then don't do it. 
if, it, if it's not a strong answer to the why, then we shouldn't do it. So that does come into JI. And that's one of the ways, the challenges for identifying key points. You know, you know you haven't got a key point if you don't have a solid answer for the re if you don't have a solid reason, if there's not a solid why. Um, JR, that's that I think get the facts helps us understand what what often happens is uh, in we see in JR JR people jump to conclusions, but when they have to get the facts and particularly they talk with the individual concerned and get their opinions and feelings, that. Um, all of a sudden, the actual the doer in this case understands the why, and all, and then all of a sudden, the behaviour we're seeing, which we thought was just uh, being obstinate, is understood because we see the why. So now we've got a much clearer course of action because we can address the why, and that occurs all the way through the those skills that you can use. The the, the why analogy comes up in all those skills. It comes up in the JM the questions, the the, the, the six questions. So moving on, um, whoops, sorry, I just bumped my cord. I'm con slightly conscious of time. So there's parallels of uh, the improvement Carter and JR. Let's have a quick look at those. So in JR, in the first session of JR, uh, the five by two hour JR delivery, we put a model up on the whiteboard. And the model is essentially that a, 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 an effective supervisor will get results excuse me, we'll get results through people. So the typical results we see that a supervisor is accountable for, a leader is those ones there, production, cost, safety, quality, maintenance, training. We observe through a little exercise on the whiteboard that those results, they don't, a good supervisor doesn't achieve those results themselves, they get those results through people. And we focus, uh, focus the, ourselves on in the training on what we call the job relations line. If that line there's a and that uh, message there. There's a relationship between the supervisor and their people. If that line is straight, strong, and correct, then there's a much greater chance that those results will be as per uh, the standard expected. If that line is long and wobbly, note that I'm not saying it doesn't exist because it always exists. But if that line is long and wobbly, those results are harder to achieve. So a supervisor gets results through people. It occurred to me there's a very strong similarity between JR and the improvement carter <clears throat> because with the improvement carter, the, re the improvement in results happens through people. So a super on the left, we say a supervisor gets results through people, whereas the improvement carter, we have an improvement in results happening through people because processes don't improve themselves. And far as I know, even the, the smartest computers that I've ever seen uh, maybe I'm um, I'm showing my ignorance here, but they don't. Results doesn't happen through them. The you know, automation. I guess there's some automation that, to some extent, improves the performance right now, but it doesn't. There's no uh, automated system for continuous improvement, as far as I'm aware. But I'm happy to be corrected on that. So improvement in results happens through people. Uh, in that yellow spot, we have our target conditions now. When we achieve our target conditions, we'll improve the results on the left, production, cost, safety, quality, maintenance, training. Um, so, the, so the achieving of the target condition is actually done by the learners, the people. There's a job relations line between the coach and the, the learners, the people, the doers. And the evidence I've found is that those four foundations, as much as they stick on the left, is they stick on the right. If that job relations line between the coach and the learners, the people, is not straight, strong, and correct, then it's very then the target conditions uh, people really struggle to achieve those. So the four foundations apply equally well on the um, the left and the right. And Oscar, what what are some of the synergies with other TWI skills beyond job relations? Yeah, good. So this links in well with the next slide. Um, there, let's firstly quickly have a look at the improvement carter. We have four steps of the improvement carter and this is taken directly from one of um, Mike's slides. As I said earlier, we and one of the earlier slides of mine, we get the directional challenge. So this shows that four steps more um, diagrammatically. We get the directional challenge. In other words, we have a binoculars there. We can see in the distance where we're headed. And then we move bottom left, 
down here to step two, where we grasp the current condition. And you can see that magnifying glass there where we look closely at the current condition. The third step, we set ourselves a target condition with a date. So it's really an interim step, if you like, or an interim state between where we are now and our goal. And then at we, step four is we conduct our experiments to get there. That's the four steps of the improvement carter. The skill of leading or job relations happens at, at all, uh, is absorbed throughout all these four steps. The greatest focus of the skill of leading is probably down here where we're conducting our experiments to get there. You the, you, the coach, is leading the doer. If that job relations line isn't straight, strong and correct, because uh, remember, the actual experiment happens when the coach is not there. The coaching cycle is just a summary of what's happened or, or, or up till now and a review of what's going to happen next. The actual experiment happens when the coach is not there. So if you want the learner to do something and to conduct an experiment according to the plan when the coach isn't there, then I would suggest that the job relations line needs to be straight, strong and correct. And, and that goes a little bit back to with job relations, one of the where you have a strict definition of management or leadership, but the prime one I often add in there is a really good leader. You know when you've got a really good leader because what they want happening, want to be happening, is happening when they're not there. And it's a little bit the same uh, here with the job relations skill. But look, we're, if we, we're not practicing job relations well within an organisation, we're probably not going to get people on board with the direction or the goal. We're probably not going to get a true understanding of the current condition and we're probably not going to get their contribution into the to the target condition they're not going to understand the why if they don't have the buy-in it's going to be hard to lead to lead get them to experiment towards that then what um and, and this is we did a, a webinar with lean frontiers about three months ago and dave hyam the boeing site director said this and i thought it was beautiful and truly illustrates the point i just made. He said, if people on your team don't trust your intent, it'll be difficult to make progress. So if, uh, and he identified job relations as a key skill in getting people to trust your intent. So a fair, fair bit of step one of the improvement carter is about setting intent. Um, so it's going to be difficult to get towards that intent if people don't trust you. Uh, and I thought that was a terrific saying and really embodies what I've just, this diagram here. Then we have these, what we generally see is we have these symptoms popping up uh, as obstacles in our experiment path. Don't care, won't do, don't know how, can't do, physical, hard to do. So the symptoms pop up. There's obviously others, but um, many times those symptoms appear there as obstacles. And so the countermeasures of, countermeasure skills of job relations, job instruction and job methods come in as uh the actual experiment, if you like. And I've seen many times had a great example when I was in Pennsylvania at Allentown um, from a case study about three weeks ago where I swear the person without realising who delivered the case study brought in a symptom of don't care, won't do and illustrated how um, uh, one of the foundations was practised to actually, as the experiment, if you like, to uh, eliminate that obstacle. So one of the key points here, uh, sorry, just one to quickly mark, one of the key points here is I think what you might be able to see there that it's almost the improvement carter is almost a, a pull system for the required skills because we don't practice JR in that experimenting pattern or JI unless there's a pull for it, unless we have a symptom. And the same can be applied for 5S and Kanban systems and all those other um, skills or remedies, if you like, we, we won't perform those, or we won't implement those. Sorry, I shouldn't use that word. We won't practice those words mm -hmm. unless there's a reason for doing it. So five, eight, so the, the improvement carter becomes a pull system for all those tools um, and skills and practices of lean, if you like. Very effective at doing that. Sorry, Mark, you were going to say? No, it's all right. So you know, to, to wrap things up, I mean, how would you link all of this together to create a culture uh, a culture of coaching, how would you connect this with lean and the idea of a lean culture, perhaps? Okay, good. Thank you. So, um, Covey did this diagram back in 1989 of 
culture, and it sort of adds a little bit more context to what we started out with, is that, that culture is a sum, if you like, or a, a, the intersection of our knowledge, our skills, our attitude and desire. So our knowledge leads us, builds our what and our why. Our skills build our how-to and, an and our attitude and desire build the want-to. And where they intersect, we end up with a group of habits, behaviours and mindsets. So it's that intersection of habits, behaviours and mindsets, and we notice the use of the word habit, that actually, um, that actually form the culture of our organisation. So, so a lean culture could be considered a, a pretty good start from my view and my experience is a lean culture can be identified by one where we've got these fundamental skills being practised um, against those uh, symptoms, the skill of JI, the skill of JR, the skill of JM and the skill of the improvement carter are being practised but, but the key point there is alongside a coach. So those skills plus a coach which is who is practising PDCA cycles will um, lead us towards this um, this lean culture. So the coach works on building the skills, the knowledge, the attitude and desire. So the, the, that's a key point there is the coach's role is to work on those three elements, which when they intersect will give habits, behaviours and mindset. And if we're using those four skills on top left as a basis, I would suggest that you're on a reasonable pathway to developing the right habits, behaviours and mindsets for a... Um, for a lean culture. And I'm sure a lot of you people out there who've been involved in CI will be familiar with this diagram um, and it ties in well with this discussion, Mark. So, so we, we PDCA, we continuously improve. We have to, to hold ourselves from rolling back. We need to develop a standard. Or we need to have a standard or standardisation. Could spend a lot more time on the difference between those two. But through our standard, we, we, we hold our standard through know-how, can-do and, and caring, uh, being, uh, the, addressing the symptom of care and doing. We have engaged people. So the coach and the doer together lead to that. Then we have goal-directed experiments, which um, drive that PDCA cycle and to a certain extent drive the JM PDCA cycle. So that uh, really focuses on that end game of driving continuous improvement forward through using PDCA patterns uh, and establishing these greens of know-how, can-do, uh, care and does, and goal-directed experiments, uh, which will keep that PDCA ball rolling in the direction of the continuous improvement arrow. So just as a summary, I started out with um, the definition of lean that certainly fits very solid in my mind. People solving problems and making improvements daily, not weekly or monthly, but small iterative improvements daily. And by the way, the interesting thing happens, and I've seen this uh, occur many times, we, if, we do, if we focus on the right-hand side, we will be able to say, oh, and by the way, look back at all the ways to be eliminated because I've never seen an, a sustained improvement or a uh, sustained problem solved that hasn't eliminated waste along the way, but it was never the outset. Uh, but, it, but I've never seen an improvement or a sustained um, uh, improvement where waste was added. So it just doesn't happen that way. Problems are solved and improvements are made daily. Waste will be eliminated, I can assure you. And that more or less wraps it up. Mark, I was a bit over time. I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's right. Well, we still have time for questions. Um, I'll make a couple of quick announcements. Um, I want to thank you, Oscar, for presenting today and, and sharing your perspectives and helping connect the dots between these different methodologies. So it was very helpful. I want to invite thank people, you. if you enjoyed today's webinar, if this is perhaps your first time with us, we have a on-demand library of past recorded webinars. You can find that by going to kinexus.com slash webinars. You can also find us on our YouTube channel. If you search Kinexus, we post the webinars there. Uh, we have a blog. If you go to blog.kinexus.com, lots of great articles and, and other resources available to you on an ongoing uh, daily basis. The other announcement I want to make is about our next webinar.
is going to be on September 24th. Uh, Jeff Hunter is going to be presenting on the theme of putting strategy back in strategy deployment. Uh, Jeff is a former strategy executive at uh, the health system ThetaCare in Wisconsin. He's the author of uh, a new book that I like very much uh, called uh, The Patient-Centered Strategy. And uh, you can register for that by going to kinexus.com slash webinars. And then uh, let's go ahead and move uh, ahead to the Q&A slide. Oscar, I've got contact information. I'm sure people may want to email you questions. Um, we've got uh, questions uh, here. Barbara uh, says, let's get your reaction to this. Um, and and I, I liked this phrase too, um, you know, working um, instead of random improvement, Barbara says, but random improvement is often a strategy to avoid tackling the really difficult problems. What, what's your reaction to that? <clears throat> yeah, I would agree 100%. And I think what's funny, we did a, um, we have a, a Toyota Carter simulation and I ran it yesterday. And I think one of the things, it's step three of the improvement Carter that really helps with that. Because what we, when we identify, um, when we understand our current condition, we, I think, um, sorry, was it Barbara? Yes. Yes. Yes, Barbara's point is very valid because at that point there, we start, we start to see things we don't like. And one of the things we, use, we say in our training um, of, uh, of the um, improvement carter is when you're understanding in current condition, <laughs> we get people to think if your customer came in, what would they want, what would they not want to see? Or what would they want to see? Or what would they not want to see? And that really pricks, uh, can prick people. Oh, we, we wouldn't want them to see this. Well, that's part of current condition. But but then what people tend to do is they jump into solving problems and they'll pick the easy ones, as Barbara's in, in, in implying often happens. But that's not what we do in Improvement Carter. Before we start doing any work or experimenting, we set ourselves a target condition. And I find that really challenges people and is probably the hardest part of the improvement carter. So a target condition is an interim state, somewhere where we need to be between where we are now and our goal, that, that the process will be producing better results. So the target condition is not the target, it's not the outcome of the better spot, it's identifying that better position. What is this process gonna look like what does this process need to look like in one month's time that will deliver a better result? And that really challenges people. And, and uh, I find that a difficult one to train. And it only the skill of that only develops through practice, is to really get people to visualise what is it going to look like when it's better. Now, once we've identified that, what's stopping us getting there? What are our obstacles? And we design experiments to, to get rid of those obstacles. So as per Barbara's point, if one of those obstacles is the nasty one that we don't want to address, well, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to need to because mm -hmm. it's clearly in the path on the way to our target condition. It's the target condition which is going to add value from the organization's point of view. So yeah. it certainly helps address that, definitely. Yeah. Okay, um, we got a similar question from Joaquin and Jason. Um, you know, who coaches the coach? What's the routine? Uh, for coaching the coaches, and, and Jason adds, is there a way that a project management office might fit into that? Oh, I don't like that question. And the reason I don't like that question is because I suspect they might not like my answer, depending on what department they work in. So I get a little bit nervous when I hear about coach of the coach, and I get a little even more nervous when I hear about coach of the coach of the coach, and how far do we go with that? Because, because the, the coach should be the manager and the coach of that manager should be the manager's manager and the man coach of the coach of the coach should be the manager's manager's manager. So if you really, the, the blunt answer to that question is if you're really going to do this directly, uh, so if you're really going to embed yourself in this, uh, these patterns of thinking we've discussed, then managers need to buy into it. Otherwise, what's the role of the manager? So if it's not the role of the manager to develop the people below them, then uh, I'd really question where all mm. this is heading. And, and this goes back a little bit to many, 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 many years ago, about 2003 or four, where I was doing uh, quality systems training. And I remember doing some training on a bottling line with some bottling line people of a local uh, wine company. And I said 
to the group of people on the bottling line who's responsible for quality. And they pointed up to the laboratory and said they are. And I thought, oh, we've got a problem. And I think it's a little bit the same. Who's responsible for the development of the, um, of the doer? Then the manager. Who's responsible for the manager's development? Their manager. So, yeah, but I think the role of the oh, – go on, go on, Mark. Well, it's just – I'm sorry to jump in. There was a follow-up question, and I, I had a similar thought. Um, do you see value in external coaches for any reason? Or, uh, you know, is, is there a role to, to help get started with TWI to train managers in these approaches? Absolutely. And that's what I was about to say. There's definitely a role for internal departments, but the role of the internal departments is to help management establish this framework. So it's not to do the framework themselves if it can possibly be avoided. It's right. to it's to help the managers establish this frame help management establish the framework. There's absolutely a role, but if it can be avoided at all cost, it's not to do this work, it's to help establish the framework for this work. Yeah. That's the role. Okay. Whether it be internal or external is irrelevant. If the mm -hmm. company's got internal resources, that's the best outcome. If they haven't, then they use external resources. But the role of that resource, regardless, is to help management establish this framework, not to become part of the framework. Right. Um, here, here's a question from Sudan. Uh, might not be uh, easy to answer quickly, but um, you know, in the service industry like healthcare, work is often perceived as more individual than team and might be considered more art than science. How can TWI and Kata be ingrained as an effective strategy and what's the groundwork to be done to be successful? The, yeah, good question. And it is a, there's a long answer to this question. But the, um, the approach um, based on the experience of people like Skip Stewart um, with Baptist Memorial, who's done a, um, a lot of work with uh, the job, job instruction, job relations and the improvement carter together. Uh, the approach is, not, is exactly the same. The approach is exactly the same, whether it be um, service orientated or whether it be manufacturing based, the, you're, you're still seeking an outcome from a set of actions. Uh, goals um, will, be, will be slanted differently. And it may not be as black and white, but the, 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 the pattern of the improvement carter, for example, is exactly the same. What goal and, or challenge are we setting ourselves? And it might be in um, patient uh, satisfaction or whatever it may be. Where are, we at, where are we at now? What's a condition that we need to set ourselves? And how do we move towards that? And if we use that framework, what experiments do we need to use to move towards that? And if we use that framework, then the, those, um, those obstacles of don't know, can't do, and uh, won't do, and, all the, and, and the others, they're going to come in. They will come into that um, in our experimenting, and the, the countermeasure skills, if you like, of JI, JR are going to uh, be required. And then JR overall is going to be required from an improvement carter point of view. So it's, a, it's not something that's easily answered in a couple of minutes, except yeah. to say that if you go back to the base principles um, that we've discussed, then you can apply this in any situation. My business partner, Ben, his main client is a county council in uh, central New South Wales. And that, that, that client is using all the skills uh, that I've mentioned they, they, mm -hmm. uh, um, in this. They're a service organisation. Their customers are the ratepayers, the people who pay their rate. I'm not sure what you call that in the States, but the people who pay their rates. Mm -hmm. um, so these skills are equally applicable in that organisation as they are in um, a, a wine company that produces bottles of mm -hmm. wine. Right. And uh, maybe, Sudan, you, know, you can email me, you can email Oscar. Uh, you know, TWI was used in healthcare during World War II. I've got a nursing journal article from, I believe it's 1947. Um, in more current day, uh, Virginia Mason Medical Center in Seattle has used TWI. In fact, they've, they've written a book uh, on that subject about standard work in, in healthcare. And I, I think it's, it's quite, quite useful, but there's got to be motivation and, and, and tying it back to Oscar's point. Um, you know, it's got to be a countermeasure to a problem. If people don't see a problem with their current state, I don't think there's um, much hope for adopting any of these um, great approaches. But you know, we're, we're at the top of the hour, so I want to 
uh, wrap up. And uh, on behalf of the team at Kinexus and on behalf of our attendees, Oscar, I want to thank you very much for uh, being up so early um, to, to share um, such great insights with us today. Um, I do want to also thank the folks at Lean Frontiers. It's unfortunate that Jim Hunsinger was unable to join us today, but I want to thank Lean Frontiers for making the connection to Oscar and suggesting the webinar. Um, I would want to invite people to go visit leanfrontiers.com, take a look at some of the upcoming summits that they hold. And and Oscar, are, are you, you're presenting next year in, in February at the, are you presenting at both the Toyota Kata Summit and the TWI Summit? Yeah, so we so I'm yes presenting at both, um, and on the Wednesday, the middle day in Savannah, we're actually running our um, simulation, our Toyota Carter simulation, which 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 illustrates the, um, the the skills of job instruction and job relations. Also, we pull that into the um, to the actual simulation during the day, and we're going to be running both simulations, both the manufacturing simulation and the service one that we've developed. So there's going to be two groups and so attendees can join one or the other. And there's a maximum of uh, 12 in each participation, uh, in each simulation. So if people are interested, they need to uh, move fairly quickly on that one. Okay, well, I encourage people to do that. And again, you can learn more by going to leanfrontiers.com. So um, thank you, Oscar Roach, our presenter today. Um, you see his contact information there. You can visit the website at twi-institute.org. And on behalf of everyone at Kinexus, again, uh, this has been Mark Graben. I want to thank you uh, for tuning in with us today. And thank you, Mark, for the opportunity. Thank you, Oscar, very much.